Hi, Ed here. As I know, before we start this week's show, I'm talking to Alpo Born, the journalist based in Amsterdam, and he was out and about on his bike. So there are a few birds, aeroplanes and ambient noises and stuff. Um, enjoy the show. This week I'm with Elke Bourne, who a uh, friend of the show, who's been on before. How are you doing? I'm good, good. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. How is wonderful Amsterdam these days? It's a little while since I've been. It's very nice. It's the summertime, so I'm cycling around right now, talking to you, enjoying the sun. <laughs> nice. It's, there's a lot of beautiful parks and places to cycle in Amsterdam, so yeah, nice. So, we chatted earlier this summer and I thought I could talk to you about the obvious... Um, I think last time you came on, you came on to talk about Donny van der Beek. When, when in need of information and expertise about Dutch football, head to Elko's. Thought we'd talk about Ten Hag today and the, what, 50 players from uh, the Eredivisie or Ajax that he seems to be uh, targeting as his first signings for the club. So, yeah. uh, great. So let, let's start with Ten Hag. I mean, we've had a little bit of time to digest what he's about. But, you know, what do you, what do you think he's going to bring to this job and how... How do you think he'll approach what is a, a big step up in his career? Yeah, I do think it's a, it's a big step up in his career. I have to say, when he first joined Ajax, a lot of people here in Amsterdam were a bit worried as well because at the time he didn't have a lot of experience, even in the Dutch Eredivisie, big club experience at least. And, you know, a lot of Ajax fans are used to big names coming in as managers or at least People who are known at the club, uh, you know. But in this case, he was an outsider, basically. Not really from the Ajax history or Ajax Academy or anything. So a lot of people were worried a little bit in the beginning. But, you know, uh, he quickly proved to be a really good manager. And a lot of people were convinced after, uh, in his second year at least. And uh, he did a really good job, obviously, at Ajax. So mm-hmm. I ca- it kind of feels like a similar situation right now. My first thoughts when we found out he was joining Manchester United was, okay, that's a huge step up for him. That's definitely a a next phase in his career. And it almost feels like, you know, it worries you a little bit. I mean, it's a huge, huge job, obviously. And some very experienced managers in recent years, Bajal, didn't really live up to expectations pretty quickly. So it kind of feels similar like that time when he first joined Ajax uh, is this it's a big step and is this is this step too big or will he be able to handle it I'm curious to find out at least yeah we're gonna find out I mean my concern always being the cynic that I am is it's not about his quality it's about what the club will provide him so we'll, we'll see about that but we'll, we'll, let's talk about his football then what what is the Ten Hag ball about what are we likely to see in the in the United side do you think he's going to try and imprint the Ajax side Ajax style on this United team? I do think he's the type of manager to to pursue his own plans, to not be too reactive. Mm-hmm. He's got his own ideas in mind, obviously, and I think he's confident enough to, confident enough to try to build on those. He did that as, at Ajax as well. At Ajax, people are, do expect an attacking, 
positive and attractive style of play. And he did deliver on those parts. But what his style exactly will be remains to be seen. I think, I think we can expect similar football, but Ten Hag is also about like most modern managers adapting to whatever whatever the, the, the squad he has to play, the opposition he faces sometimes. So I'm curious to see what he will do with the players at his disposal. We can sort of predict things a little bit looking at uh, the decisions he made at Ajax. But uh, obviously we'll have to see who comes in and who goes out as well. And especially the midfield. I'll be curious to see how he solves that problem for United. So, yeah. Yes, it, it, that's the biggest challenge, isn't it? I, I don't know how you can have a possession-based team if you've got Fred and McTominay in the centre of the park there. Um, clearly, clearly that doesn't fit with what he wants to do and then then the other problem is Ronaldo and and how he'll approach what might be a difficult personality well it's definitely a difficult personality did did he have similar personalities at Ajax who people players who were challenging and perhaps didn't necessarily fit but he managed to integrate into the team not quite to the extent I think as as the situation he's facing with Ronaldo I think I think that's one of the key challenges he will have is how he will be able to deal with these even bigger egos and even bigger potential problems with players expecting certain things of the of their manager of the club and expecting certain things when it comes to their place in the team and i think at ajax he inherited a squad at the time that wasn't really functioning that well but had enough quality to be molded in something that could easily function well. And he was able to, to do that. Do United have the quality of players and the quality of squad that he would need to mold it in something good? Potentially they do at the moment, but uh, you know, quite a few managers before him failed. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he succeeds. But I don't think there was a player similar to Ronaldo at Ajax at the time. I think the biggest name when it comes to players was Dusan Tadi. had a really uh, big status in the team compared relative to the younger players who really looked up to him. And he was really able to make Tadic his captain and his voice on the pitch, so to speak. He was one of those players who Ten Hag would never, ever, ever put on the bench. He enjoyed huge privileges, but he earned them as well. He was a key, key player and a real leader on the pitch towards the other lads as well. So so I think I think Ten Hag would be good at forming a partnership, you know, a team with a big player, with a big status like Ronaldo. Question mm -hmm. now is, of course, is Ronaldo willing to cooperate in that part as well? Who knows? At the moment with all the with, with what's going on with him, it seems like maybe he doesn't. And who knows yep. what's going on behind the scenes, of course. Maybe Ronaldo is not willing to do what Ten Hag expects him to do when it comes to his place in the team and, in, and on the pitch or on the bench or who knows what Ten Hag's got in mind. Yeah. So maybe there's maybe there's a bit of conflict there going on already. Who knows? Yeah, it's unclear whether they've actually talked yet. So it seems that Ronaldo is either on strike or has a very legitimate reason for uh, being on strike. So it, it's it's a it's the first challenge for Ten Hag to meet, I guess, and and the club as well, because just uh, Ronaldo's wages alone are about half of Ajax's annual budget. 
Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, I mean, we've got Ten Hag and we have a sense of his philosophy and the kind of football he's going to play and the challenges he's going to try and meet. And he seems to be already his very own man. He's he's short and sweet in the press conferences he's done so far, but I'd say kind of there's some clarity about what he wants. So what 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 about the, some of the players then that there's been talk about United um, signing? We know they've they've signed... Tyrell Malassia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not. You know, fine odds, left back. Yeah. I, I, I've seen him literally once, so I'm sure you've uh, seen him play many more times than that. What, what what can we expect from this one? Well, <clears throat> he was one of the best players in the Eredivisie, I think. And especially in Feyenoord's games against Ajax, he was a real problem for Ajax. And then, oh, I think at the time, Seth pretty much that in the media as well. So we know that that Ach admired Malasia uh, quite a lot. I think, yeah, it's a modern a modern left back who's able to cover the width of the pitch on the left. If we look at the fullbacks playing under Ten Hag at Ajax, those were always really important, mm-hmm. especially for example Louis, uh, the right back, right, yeah, uh, who played a huge role in that campaign in 2019 in the Champions League. But last season as well, I think uh, Masrawi was one of Ajax's best players in that team. And I think it was Masraoui who allowed Anthony on the right, the right winger, to have a lot of freedom and to attack with creativity. As Masraoui would sometimes go inside when, when he was attacking and sometimes go outside and overlap for Anthony. Th- those two were a real good partnership. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the fullbacks can do under Fortuna uh, at United as well. And if- Malasia has a role to play in that as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting because Luke Shaw had a, a really poor season last year. So he great the season before in twenty twenty one, but that's perhaps only his really perhaps only his only good season at United, honestly, in six. So we saw something of what he could produce, but too many injuries again last season. So if Malasia is there to put pressure on or to go into the first team, then that's a, a step forward in the fullback position. On the other side, of course. It doesn't look like either of those players are a good fit for Ten Hugs. So I wonder whether there'll be some business done there. No rumours yet. So then I guess the big name that United appear to be negotiating for, and it's unclear whether this will happen or not, is is Frankie de Jong. And I don't know how much of his career you've followed at Barcelona. It's It kind of stalled last season, I guess. But just a massively high quality player. Do you, do you think, I mean, I, it, it's not obvious that Frankie actually wants to come to United, but his preference, I think, would be to stay in Barcelona. But uh, the finances are opening the opportunity for United to get in. But if if this one happens, how do you think he'll adapt to the Premier League? His style is completely different from anything United have ever had, I think. Um, what sort of player might be coming? Well, I think Frankie Dion, obviously, he was he played a huge role in that team that did so well at, for Ajax in the Champions League in 2019. Probably the most important player in that system who was able to take the ball from the back and move further along the pitch. Always trying to, he would always try to beat the man in midfield and he would always succeed, not only in the Eredivisie but in the, in the Champions League as well. You might remember him bossing the midfield against Real Madrid, <laughs> against the likes of Luka Modric. So that was that was really, really impressive. On the other hand, you know, the Premier League is it could be a different story if we look at the midfield there. Sometimes people doubt his physicality a little bit. It's almost, you know, 
obviously it would depend on who partners him in midfield as well, but it's almost, it's about how you, how you envision his role. It's a really, if you use a player like De Jong, I think you need a really proactive mindset in football because his main quality is definitely for when you have the ball and when you go into attack and thinking from thinking within a defensive mindset he would not be the obvious choice to put in midfield mm -hmm. there so yeah i think part of it definitely who will partner him and what uh, what kind of role would that player next to him in midfield have I cannot see a midfield similar to the ones, the one at Ajax in 2019. I can't really see that playing out in the, in, in the Premier League because at the time he had Lasse Schöne next to him, who mm -hmm. is not really a, a destroyer or a defensive midfielder. And of course, there was Donny van der Beek in that team on midfield as well, three midfielders, who's an attacking midfielder as well. So quite an offensive midfield, which is great for Ajax, great in the Eredivisie. And great, it turned out that year in the Champions League. Mm -hmm. But to produce results in the Premier League year in, year out, it's really interesting to see how he solves that problem and that puzzle in midfield for United. Yeah, I mean, my, my sense is that that destroyer is missing because it's not Fred or, or McTominay. Uh, and Matic has left and it's a long time since he had the legs to do that that role. So if, if it was up to me, and it's definitely not, uh, there would be an extra player coming in there as well. Uh, it just depends whether the budget's actually available because it, it seems unlikely. But we'll see whether they actually pull off the deal for De Jong first. What do you think? You mentioned Van der Beek. He's, uh, he's obviously struggled in his two years in England. Is that, the, is that the circumstances of playing under Solskjaer and then Ragnik? Or is there, uh, is there something else there that has kind of held him back and can Ten Hag unlock it? That's a difficult one because <clears throat> for Ajax, he had a very clear role that really suited him. And obviously he was moved around a little bit at Ajax as well, sometimes playing a couple of games in defensive midfield, then back to his number 10 position, etc. I expected United and Solskjaer to have a plan for him at United at least. You couldn't really see them playing them playing him as, their, as the main number 10, obviously with Bruno Fernandes in the team. But, you know, obviously I thought at the time Solskjaer would have another plan for him, maybe maybe using him as a backup number 10 or behind Fernandes, I don't know. But it never turned out really. It didn't seem like he ever had that plan or, yeah, we don't, it's just so weird. We just, I just can't, I don't see why they bought him at the time. You would think this has, has a better idea of Van der Beek's qualities and a better idea about if and how he wants to use those qualities. So, yeah, I think it's just very difficult for a player to, to make a big transfer from a club like Ajax, where he spent years in the academy and in the first team, where he knows the club and the people who work there, where he feels safe, where he feels at home, and where, where people have faith in his ability. To make them, to then make a move to a huge club like Manchester United with, with a lot of pressure on you. Obviously, footballers have paid a good salary, to be able to deal with those pressures. But, you know, for a young guy, I think it can be very difficult as well to make that move. And then when there's obviously not a real plan for you in place about what's expected of you, I think it must have been difficult for him. Obviously, it was. But it, it, it just it remains strange to me to think about what was the plan there. Yeah, it, it felt at the time that it was opportunistic. I mean, the player became available at a reasonable price and so United... 
went for it. And uh, I don't think there ever was a plan. Then again, honestly, what was Solskjaer's plan? It was defend deep and then try and break. And that was very basic, but it kind of worked. And then as soon as he tried to introduce some more offensive football, it fell apart. Yeah, and I think I think Van der Beek is not a player you would use in a defensive, reactionary system. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that team that did so well at Ajax in 2019 especially was very proactive. It's about assuming you will have to pull the ball, assuming you will have what it takes to bring the ball forward and to overload the opponent in the end and score your goals that way. It was not reactive at all. If you look at that midfield, it was very offensively minded. And it was Van der Beek's role in that was to be a number 10. But for the team around him to move in such a position that almost every Ajax player was on the opponent's half and Van der Beek would almost pop up as a striker in the end. They played with a false nine a lot in that year as well. So no real striker in the number nine role. And Van der Beek scored a lot of goals that way as well. But that requires you to think very proactively to to, and not reactively and to take matters in your own hands, which is obviously not really the tactic that Solskjaer used a lot, which again makes you think, then why get a player like Van der Beek? Well, yeah, quite. I, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, it just points to not a lot of thinking. I mean, the, the other player that's kind of, I mean, I guess United are, are trying to negotiate for Alessandro Martinez. That, that one's probably the most interesting because that says a lot about how United might want to defend under Ten Hag. I mean, he, he's, he's obviously brilliant on the ball. Not exactly the physical frame that you'd expect for a defender in the Premier League, but, but maybe that spells the end of Harry Maguire because Harry Maguire just strikes me as being the, the player that, isn't going to fit in well under a Ten Hag system, but I could be wrong about that. So, no, it is, is your sense that this one's going to happen? Is it just about the money? And then where does Martinez fit in a in a Manchester United team and in the Premier League? Yeah, it feels like if United really want him and are willing to pay the amount that Ajax want, the deal could definitely happen. I think Ajax would be very happy, really, with $50 billion that's being bandied about at the moment. I think that would be a great deal for for Ajax. So it feels like, oh, well, this move could definitely happen. I think Ajax would be happy to sell him for that amount. It's a huge amount for Ajax, for any player. I've got to tell you, for a lot of people, for a lot of Ajax fans, they would be happy with that sale as well because right. he's a popular player here. He played an important role last year. But, but, but yeah, I, I mean... He's not he's not in, held in as high regard as someone like Frankie de Jong, for example. Right. Which is partly because a lot of Ajax fans like technical players, offensive-minded players. And it's almost when he first came into the team, Martinez, he had a more difficult time convincing fans that he was the right man to be put in the first 11. Mm-hmm. Because the first thought here, at least, was not, oh, we're seeing a technically gifted offensive-minded player. The first thought people had here, well, was it's the, just a defender. So so I think a lot of a lot of sense here is feels like we'll be quite happy to to get such a good amount for him. And it surprised it surprised a lot of people as well. Is he the right man for United to solve their defensive problems? Again, it's a it's a huge thing to ask of him. He's played well for Ajax, I think Especially this uh, last year, he was really good. Before that, he had some problems fitting into the team as well. So, I mean, yeah, if 
Ten Hag has a has a clear plan for him, which he probably does. Otherwise, he wouldn't pursue this player. Then I'm curious to see. But it feels like a huge task for him to solve uh, to solve United's yeah. problems on his own, obviously. What, what do you make of United? We're only going to sign players with a Dutch and or Ajax connection there. Yeah. It, it doesn't say much for the new football director. If I mean, like, for, first, it's worth backing the new manager, isn't it? And if uh, he's got a clear idea of what he wants, then OK. But United have this huge analytics and scouting and recruitment department now with what we all thought was a modern... A modern take on being being a football director and then going in the direction the club should have done 10 years ago. And then all their deals appear to follow a similar pattern. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it feels almost like Ten Hag came in at United, asked the board, you know, okay, who do we have on our as a target? Who's on our lists? And it almost feels like United said something like, we don't know, we don't have anything really for you. Which is why he just started naming Dutch players and Ajax players to possibly sign. It almost feels like that. We don't know what's been going on, obviously, behind the scenes. But on the, on the one hand, it does worry me because that seems like a very simplistic tactic to take as a, as a big club like United. And for a new manager when he comes in as well. It almost reminds you of Falcao at Barcelona in the 1990s as well, who just signed right. all of his old Ajax players. And if they don't uh, deliver, then obviously that's, that could be a very easy target to pick on as well. But then our boys that he signed from Ajax and they're a little click and they're not performing well. So uh, yeah, to just, to just try to recreate the Ajax team of 2019 in Manchester, I don't know. It would be great to see if it works, but uh, but we're talking about a different club in a different league and in a different year. And uh, I, I would have hoped, personally, I had hoped to see some more uh, creativity in that uh, regards. Yeah, it's it's definitely odd. I mean, it, in a sense, United have done this for every manager. They've they've allowed the managers to to pick what they want and occasionally foisted players upon them that looked good from a marketing point of view and it's left a, a deeply Frankenstein squad. Yeah. And a, leg a legacy of failure and I hope that's not the case here. And of course, there's given all the pressures, if, if he doesn't get the players he wants and the Ronaldo situation causes even more problems inside the squad and things don't start well, you can definitely make a case for things going wrong and it's nothing to do with Ten Hag and his qualities. And, and then... United end up sixth or seventh next season. He gets fired, and and there's a squad full of yeah. players that the next manager doesn't want. And I thought that was the whole point about having a football director that you you have a longer term vision than that. Yeah, for sure. So where does this leave Ajax then? They've lost the manager. New guys come in from Club Bruges, I think it was. But it's just life just go on for Ajax then. You sell some players every year, and it makes the budget, and you build again. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Ajax, obviously, they're used to players leaving and managers leaving as well. It was, it has to be said, Ten Hag did deliver some extraordinary success that we weren't used to anymore at Ajax. We haven't been for a while. So it does feel like the end of an era, the cycle coming to an end. And it there's an expectation that it will be difficult to re reproduce what uh, what Ten Hag has done under Ajax. But again, what was important about Ten Hag's success at Ajax as well is that he had a whole team of people working with him who allowed him to be successful and the club and the team to be successful as well. When you think of Mark Overmars, 
his technical director, who assembled a great squad for Tenacht to use. When we think, we think about people like Edwin van der Sar, who played an important role at the club as well. And I think all those factors were important as well for Tenach to succeed. And that structure of those people, Mark Overmars has left the club as well, is not entirely in place anymore. But then again, steps has, have been taken to, to put successes in place, who hopefully and apparently follow a similar philosophy and who feel like a right fit to replace. For example, Klaas-Jan Huntelaar, the old striker, has taken up a role. Mm-hmm working in the technical department as well, assigning new players and stuff like that. And the new manager worked under Ten Hag as an assistant as well a couple of years ago at Ajax. So it feels like similar people have been put in place to hopefully continue on with this structure that has been in place for a couple of years now. A couple of signings have been made already. So the first few signings look very positive to hopefully yeah, prolong this sort of sort of new newfound success for Ajax and hopefully they can continue winning the Dutch league and continue progressing to the second round of the Champions League at least possibly maybe hopefully in the com- coming few years reach the quarterfinal again and I think if they manage to do that I think Ajax fans will, will be really really happy about it. How's Daily Blind doing? I mean obviously coming towards the sort of twilight of his career now still is he still a fixture in the side an important player for Ajax? He was, in the beginning of last season, he was a very important player, but he was moved about a little bit. He was in central defense for, uh, for a while for Ajax, where he was really influential. was moved to left-back at a certain point. Played really well in the tandem with Dusan Tadic, who played as a left wing. It feels like, in the, it felt like in the course of last year, his role was sort of diminishing a little bit his influence so it'll be really interesting to see whether next year on the pitch at least how important he will be i do think the new manager will give him an important role in the squad the second captain of the team at least i think he's still he's well respected by the squad i think other players look up to him the crowd loves him as well it feels like he's a real ajax guy so i i think he will be important for the club but it'll be interesting to see if he's still as influential as he has been in the last couple of years and how he will take up if there's a new role for him, if the new manager has a new role for him in mind, how he will be able to deal with that. Because maybe part of that new role will be to be put on the bench a couple of times and not complain about it and still mm. and still be a member of the squad and still have his importance. It, it, it might take his ego to take uh, to take some to take a step back as well. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the next couple of years. All right, and and before we close out, I thought I'd ask you about the Dutch national team, obviously under Van der Haal at the moment. And what what are the hopes for the World Cup? I'm I'm saying that they did make the World Cup, right? Yes, they did. I I have a like a part time interest in international football, but so so what are the hopes hopes for this Dutch side? Is there is there some belief that that it can do well in Qatar? There is some hope that they will do well. I have to say, very often, and I think this is true for a lot of national teams, probably in England as well, sometimes when they do quite well in the qualifiers, for example, people start getting their hopes up really high and they expect them mm-hmm. to be to win the Euros and win the World Cup and everything. And it almost feels like with this Dutch team as well, when Koeman was still the manager before Frank de Boer coming in, before the last Euros, a lot of people, there was really high hopes they would, would be able to maybe win the Euros under Koeman. 
Kuman went to Barcelona, the board came in, it didn't turn out very well. But it almost it feels like that again. A lot of people think have a lot of faith in Fachau and things are looking quite well, I have to say, in recent matches. So yeah, there's a lot of optimism that they might be able to do well in Qatar. It feels like a, a, a weird tournament in, anyway in the winter time. So I think people are pretty optimistic. But if you ask me, uh, yeah, winning the World Cup, obviously, it would be it's a bit much, maybe. But yeah, let's, uh, let's see how they do. They have a very young team, very good team spirit, it feels like, with players like Memphis Depay and Van Dijk, who seem to get, be, to get along really well. So yeah, it looks good. And let's just see what happens at the World Cup. Yeah, I think I, I think it was the World Cup before Van Hal joined United, wasn't it? That that the Netherlands made the semi final, I think, at that time, and it wasn't yeah. expected. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of positivity when when he joined the club, and that dissipated quite quickly. I would say. Yeah. Um, maybe now the first season under Van Hal was was okay, wasn't it? The second season was dreadful. Yeah. So so what do you? Uh, we'll close out with some predictions then. How do you think? What, what, where do you think we'll be at in a year's time? Will, will Ten Hag have made, his, made an impact, a real impact at United? In a year's time, I think it's difficult to say, of course. I think, I, I think it's good that at least he has succeeded in that so far is to bring some new positive energy to the club. Because obviously this year, rightfully so, a lot of fans were super pessimistic about things after everything that happened. At least it feels like, okay, some new positive energy is surrounding the club now. Not in all regards, obviously. There's still some stuff that fans are worried about, understandably so. But there's a little bit of positive energy now as well. And what I also, a, a difference I've personally noticed, and maybe it'll be interesting to see, uh, to hear what you think about it as well. There's a little bit of positivity, but it's mixed with some tempered expectations as well. I think not many United fans expect Ten Hag to solve things in a year and to be able to just wave his magic wand about and come up mm -hmm. with some magical new tactics that will turn Manchester United into the world's best team. There's some realism about that not probably not happening this year at least and some realism about okay if Ten Hag succeeds he'll need the the backing of the club and the board as well and it will probably take some time and if he isn't able to sign the right players, it's going to be it's going to be a difficult year probably. There seems to be willingness to yeah to to have some faith with that as well. Yeah, I think that's about right. I think we've gone past the idea that the next new manager is the savior of everything and is able to fix all the problems. I mean, at least we should have gone past that because it's not worked in the last ten years. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think everyone's realistic, and there's obviously a part of the way that football's covered in the summers there's a lot of focus on transfers and but honestly that is part of the problem I don't think anyone could magically come in and take the squad that we had last year and fix all the problems it, there does need to be a fresh a, fre a really fresh start and and it's helped I guess because six players have left some of whom were fairly difficult I, I, I imagine I mean I'm pretty sure that Ten Hag would be in a much better position if Ronaldo's not at the club as well yeah. just politically it's going to take a lot of the pressure off, I think. And it's like having a name that big, not wanting to be at the, the club and clearly wanting to be out and seems to have made a miscalculation in thinking that there's a big market for him. And I think that's just, there's red flags all over that. 
for, yeah. for a new manager. So expectations would be changed a lot as well if he left. That's Ronaldo left, that is. And it'd take the pressure off Ten Hag and he could build for a year with some younger players maybe. And I, I think that's the other thing that United fans are looking to. I mean, he has a history and it's a history of Ajax of, of integrating players from the youth team and it's a good youth team. There are some really good young players and I think everyone's looking to him to, to see this this preseason, which kicks off in a couple of days' time, that he'll bring in some of those younger players in and be able to develop them. Yeah, and I think it should be said that at Ajax as well, he needed some time to solve the puzzle. It's easy to look back at things and think, oh, he came up with a great system where all these players like Van der Beek and De Jong and Hakim Ziyech and Dusan Tadic all had important roles to play and they play really well. And he did find that system ultimately, but it did take him his first year as well to figure that out and to move players about and to come up with a system that suited those players and his own expectations of how the team should perform on the pitch. And especially during his first year, that required patience of the club and of the fans as well. And he, and, and, right. the, and what's interesting as well is that at Ajax, I think there isn't, there isn't a lot of patience, it feels like sometimes, but at a team like Manchester United, where the pressure is even higher, there's a lot less patience for a lot of reasons within the clubs and the fan base, etc. So, yeah, again, we, we come back to what we were talking about in the beginning. It's a step up. It's, it's, a, it's an even more difficult job than he's had to face before. So will he be able to do it? Let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. I, he'll get a lot of support at Old Trafford. It'll be different on Twitter, but so I hope he's not following any of that nonsense. But but Old Trafford, he'll get a lot of support. And if he brings at least part of the style that he wants to bring, an attacking team, even if it's not functioning perfectly well, I think he'll be given a lot of time by the fans. By the club? Well, we'll see. It's it's hard to know where the club's head is at, honestly. So we thought it was a new start with so many different, yeah, like every single coach and a lot of the executives have all left. And so in a theory, in, in a way, it's a fresh start, but in a way, it's all the same all over again. Yeah. Anyway, good luck to him. Thank you, Elko. Good to catch up with you. Yeah. Appreciate your thoughts. Good to talk to you.